0: And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mine, a podcast about maternal mental health, from conception to pregnancy and postpartum. This episode touches on topics that may be sensitive for some listeners. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. I'm very, very excited today. We have Amy Korn with us to talk about her story and her experience during her postpartum period. Amy is a mother of two and survivor of postpartum depression, anxiety, OCD, and PTSD. She is also actively working as a volunteer and advocate for maternal mental health in her community north of the Atlanta, Georgia area. She's been working with her pediatrician to develop a postpartum assessment program where all mothers with children 12 months and younger will be assessed at each well visit. She also just organized a workshop where 18 therapists receive training specifically in postpartum mood and anxiety disorders. Wow, Amy, that's amazing. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your story with us today. For all of you listeners, um, sharing a story is one of the most powerful ways to help other moms and to let them know that they're not alone. And hopefully the moms who are listening can feel that it's good and necessary to reach out for help. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Dr. Kat. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we'll just kind of start from the beginning um, in terms of understanding your postpartum experience. Let us know. Let us know what that was like for you. What happened?
1: Okay. First of all, I'd like to say that I had no idea what I was experiencing. I just knew that something wasn't right. Um, I do have two children now and um, experience different things with each child. But with my first child, um, the pregnancy was amazing and um, just had the birth plan, had everything planned out. And then once the delivery came, everything just went wrong. And um, it was a very traumatic delivery. It was completely unexpected. And um, basically anything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. Um, my daughter wasn't coming out, and um, the doctor ended up using forceps. Um, I actually received a fourth degree laceration with her coming out. And as she came out, she took a deep breath and she swallowed a lot of amniotic fluid and blood. So they were instantly taking her away from me um, while all this is happening. And I ended up getting an epidural, which I originally did not want. So that for Mm -hmm. me was also a source of frustration and a little bit of defeat that I thought I could do it without that. Um, Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the epidural did not take. And so I went through all of that completely feeling everything, the tear, the laceration, everything. And in the middle of it was just completely confused because I had this epidural. Why didn't it take? And and all this trauma was happening so fast. And then as they took her away to work on her, I heard the doctor whisper to his assistant there, his nurse, that he couldn't get the bleeding to stop. And so my bleeding. bleeding. And so I was just panicked. I'm laying there and it all happened so fast that I'm wondering mm-hmm. what has happened with my daughter and what's happening with me. And, and now right. you're telling me that you can't get the bleeding to stop. I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, am I going to die? You know, that you hear these oh. stories. And so I'm laying there yeah. and I'm just panicked. Um, well, they whisk mm-hmm. her away and he eventually does get the bleeding to stop. And they kept me overnight down in the delivery room because my blood pressure, something went wrong with that. And when they tried to get me up, I kept passing out. And, um, they also at one point came to me and said that my kidneys were failing Oh my and gosh. they couldn't figure out what was happening there. So again, it's like, you've got to be kidding me. I just had an amazing pregnancy and I brought this child right. into the world. Um, but there was just so much trauma around it that was unexpected. Oh. And so they kept me overnight down there, um, And the next morning when they took me up to my room, another doctor came in to check on me. And she just had this really solemn look on her face when she came in. So I knew something wasn't right. She introduced herself and she said, I'm here to check on you because you are bleeding internally and we cannot figure out why you're losing blood. And if your numbers don't come up, we're going to have to give you a blood transfusion. And so... Again, for the second day, there's this overwhelming thought of, you know, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I can't die. I just brought a baby into this world. And so um, she checked me. They couldn't figure out where the bleeding was coming from. um, But they started me on iron pills. And thankfully, my numbers started coming up and they didn't have to give me a blood transfusion. Um, But that's how my pregnant, my delivery started out with my first child. And so instead of having that magical moment that you see so much on TV or you dream about, Mm -hmm. it was quite the opposite. And unfortunately Mm -hmm. for me, that just led immediately um, to feelings of, you know, I didn't want this to happen to me. And and I can remember looking at my daughter when I would feed her and just, Mm -hmm. it felt like I was looking at a complete stranger. It almost felt like I was babysitting at times. And it actually took me three months to bond with her. And right. that in itself was really hard as a first-time mother because you hear this these stories and the moms are like, oh, it was love at first sight and it was so magical and I felt so complete. And I just carried such guilt of not understanding why I didn't love this child. Why did I not feel these feelings for her? And I didn't dare share that with anyone, not even my husband, because I was too afraid to tell somebody that.
0: Mm -hmm, Um, Absolutely. That's
1: kind of how it started out with her. And then um, so I was in school full time with her and just hoped that it would help me to, you know, not think about what had happened and that all these feelings were going to come and it was just going to be great. And um, it just kind of got a little bit worse, um, Mm -hmm. not knowing what it was, um, but you know, it's kind of one of those things as a parent, you just kind of suck up and say, let's just keep going. And so right. I just kind of pushed it out of my mind, um, graduated. And then we, yeah, we just decided, <laughs> um, well, maybe that was just the stress of school and having a newborn. So let's just take some time off and everything will get better. And so for a little while it really did. Um, I started to enjoy my daughter. I started to really bond with her and, you know, was just at that point happy that I had become a mother. So Mm -hmm. enough time passes, you kind of forget how bad things were, you know, in delivery. And so we decided Mm -hmm. we'd like to have a second child. And um, so we were able to get pregnant with our second, which is a little boy. And the pregnancy with him was the complete opposite of my first. It was a very, very Mm -hmm. difficult pregnancy. And the doctor um, actually... I believe thought that he was going to be a dance baby. And so that mm-hmm. was a little bit of trauma for us right off the bat thinking, you know, mm-hmm. wow, that came out of left field. I wasn't expecting that. And, um, so I tried not to dwell on that. I tried to just push that out of my mind. And if he was, he was, and if he wasn't, you know, that was fine as well. Right. So, we elected to do a cesarean with him because there was just so much trauma and damage with the first baby. And he was expected Uh to be over 10 pounds that we just, yes. (laughs) Uh So I just thought there's no possible way that we can do that. And so we did schedule a cesarean, which went amazing. And Mm -hmm. um, within three days, you know, there with him in the hospital, it was completely bonded with him. It was like, wow. Wow. This is amazing. This is what it's supposed to be. And I was very grateful to be able to experience that with him. Mm -hmm. And for the first six months, everything was awesome. I mean, there were no problems. I was at home with him. I was happy. I was making his baby food, doing what I thought every mom was supposed to do. And Mm -hmm. then around the six-month mark, um, things just started kind of falling apart a little bit. I was in constant pain because i had had some complications with... um, my back during the pregnancy. And, um, so when I, during that pain, I wasn't able to like hold him a lot. I wasn't able to carry him or, you know, I had a two year old and so right. I wasn't even able to really get down on the floor and play with them. And so slowly things like that started wearing on me and the depression started setting in and mm-hmm. then the anxiety and out of nowhere, I didn't even know you could have postpartum. OCD. I'd never even heard Mm -hmm. of that. Um, but I became so obsessed with germs and so obsessed with cleanliness that I was just convinced. Um, and this even goes back to my first child um, with the germs and I didn't know what it was. I just thought I was being a good mom, but um, uh... the obsession with germs and having to have everything clean and boiling everything and washing the clothes Mm -hmm. and washing everything Mm -hmm it became an obsession and I didn't realize it. Um, Right. But, um, and I can talk a little bit about that later on when I realized that it was a problem, but Mm -hmm. um, still um, going back just a little bit, I really still didn't know anything was wrong, but I knew things were progressively getting worse after my second. Right. And
2: I'm Margaret and I'm Amy and together we host the podcast. What fresh hell laughing in the face of motherhood. And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilled Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
1: Um, It got to the point where I just didn't even want to leave the house. The depression got so severe. And there were a lot of other things that had happened during that time um, that kind of, looking back, really aided in that deep depression. But... um, it just kind of, it's one of those things where it happens so slowly and progressively that you just didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so therefore, it was kind of hard to realize something was that wrong. But I um, i cried all the time and I just felt so oh. worthless. And oh. I started having intrusive thoughts and, mm-hmm. again, didn't have a clue what those were. I just started thinking, wow, where did that horrible, crazy thought come from, and it scared me, and so I never told anyone about those, I just kept suffering with them, and had thoughts that bad things were going to happen to the baby, or the children, or my loved ones, and I started living in a constant state of fear, and anxiety, Mm -hmm. and then the thoughts about me came of, you know, you're not a good mother, you're an unfit mother, um, your husband would be better off without you. And oh, no. my husband and I will be married 16 years this year and we have a great marriage and have always yeah. had. And But I started having these thoughts of, you know, he wouldn't even miss me if I were gone. And oh, no. um, someone else could do a better job raising my children. And then um, at the very end, when it got very, very dark, I started having these just glimpses every now and then, these thoughts that would hit me of, well, you know, you could just leave or you could just go do this or you could just, you know, end it all. And there mm-hmm. were never any concrete plans. It was just these scary thoughts that would come out of nowhere of you just mm-hmm. need to do this. There would be a, a peaceful resolution for everyone.
0: And and all at that time, all of that seemed reasonable or was that terrifying? It was absolutely
1: horrifying. I mean, I won't mm-hmm. lie to you in the sense that when you have these thoughts there is like a millisecond of peace to it because then there's an end to all of the nightmare. But then the very next second, you're like, Oh my God, why would I think something that horrible? I don't want to do that. I don't want, you know, this is, this can't be real. And when I knew something was terribly wrong is we had planned a vacation and we were going um, to the beach And we were staying in this resort, and we were on the 19th floor. And when we get up there, we've got everything unpacked. And um, the next day, I went outside, and I was just looking out over the ocean. And this thought came out of nowhere. And it was, you know, if you jumped, it probably wouldn't even hurt because there's sand down there. And I remember just being horrified and thinking, oh, my God, I did not just think that. I did not. And I ran mm-hmm. inside immediately, and I shut the doors. And for the next three days, I wouldn't even go out on that balcony because mm-hmm. I thought, who thinks stuff like that? I, I was mm-hmm. so scared, and I was so afraid. And um, But still, I wasn't telling anyone, not my best friend, mm-hmm. not my husband, Um. And faith, my faith plays a big part of who I am. And, you know, I wouldn't even talk to my pastor or his wife or my mentors because I was Mm -hmm. just too afraid. I thought, if you open your mouth and you say anything, they're immediately going to think you're crazy. They're going to take your children from you and they're going to lock you up somewhere. And so I had all of those feelings that I was keeping inside and just basically drowning, suffocating and not realizing how to get help or who even to contact. Mm -hmm. So when we got back home after that week, I just broke down with my husband in the kitchen and I I started weeping. And I said, you know what? I said, I love you and I love my children. I said, but I want to get in the car and I want to drive as far away from here as I can. And I don't ever want to come back. Mm -hmm. And he just looked at me and and I was crying and he started crying. And I said, I don't know what's Mm -hmm. wrong, but something's wrong and I need help. And he said, okay, he said, let's, you know, we're going to do whatever it takes to get you help. And, um, excuse me, unfortunately, I didn't have a clue where to turn. I didn't know what Mm -hmm. postpartum depression was. Um, So at this point,
0: you're still, it's been, it's been quite some time. And there's, there's no idea yet as to what this is, what's actually going on. No,
1: because to me, it's like. My idea of postpartum depression was, you know, a a woman who strapped her baby to her chest and jumped off a bridge. I had Mm. no idea how common postpartum depression is and um, how treatable it is. And so he said, well, what do we do? And I said, I don't know. And so the next day I sat down at my computer and when I pulled up a Google page and I typed in postpartum depression, I kind of just sat there and I laughed at myself thinking, I can't believe you're doing this. This doesn't even exist. This isn't real. You know, I'm not Mm going to find anything when I hit enter. But when I did hit enter, I was amazed. I was shocked. I immediately found resources like postpartum progress. I found Mm -hmm. postpartum support international. And then just entry after entry of how real this is and explaining to me. And as I would read stories like on postpartum progress Um, about the moms it was just like they were writing my story and I had never told anyone and then you know with postpartum support international there were so many resources on there that just explained it and so um, I had gone to lunch with a a friend of mine Mm -hmm. and she had four children And they were teenagers at this point. And I just thought, you know what? If she's had that many kids and she survived, maybe she could give me some advice. (laughs) And so I reluctantly asked her to lunch. And um, we went. I put her off for a little while because I was still really depressed. I didn't know really what to do. And so... um, We had lunch and we were laughing and joking. And then toward the end of the lunch, she had mentioned about when she first had her children, how she had moved away from her family and her husband had traveled full time. And so she's a young mom with two small children. And so she started telling me her story about how it felt with postpartum depression. And Mm -hmm. she said, you know, I never really had thoughts of wanting to kill myself, she said, but I just wanted to take a bottle of pills and not wake up. And I remember sitting there looking at her and thinking, "Oh my God, you just said what I'm thinking. Maybe that means right. I'm not crazy." Oh, and so right. it was amazing how that one lunch completely changed mm-hmm. my life and just and I never mm-hmm. told her anything. I just sat there and tears just streamed down my face because I was right. too afraid to tell her anything. Oh. But from that point forward, I just kept, realizing I have to figure out what this is. I guess it's my personality right. type, but I just realized <laughs> if I can better understand this, maybe it won't have such a grip on me.
0: Right. Absolutely. Wow. So if I can just kind of, you know, for our listeners, um, for for those of you who are listening, this is, you know, a really condensed version of what you
1: went through for a long time. Yeah. How long do you think this was? Three At years? least three years, three years, because my daughter, we, my years. daughter was two when we had my son. And even though I started feeling better, knowing what I know now, I really wasn't treated. I didn't really, right. it was like basically putting a band-aid on a broken arm. Right. I, you know, right. Got, not, not no, helpful. I got some relief, but then life got in the way and I just sort of pushed sure. it out of my mind and then started living with my new normal. You know, right. you start thinking that this is the way it should be and I never got treatment.
0: Right. And so, what, what I think is important for people to understand is that it, for the, the first thing, is that you telling your story and, and knowing what you know now, being able to look back and label it as, PTSD from the birth and the trauma in birth and the depression, anxiety, and the intrusive OCD thoughts that happened as a result. Um, You didn't, you were going through this relatively blind. You had no idea what was going on. And so now through your, um, you're looking back on it, you can, you can describe what it was. It's so important to know, to have your story here um, and I thank you so much for for sharing it with us and, and telling the audience about it. There are so many women who deal with birth trauma and don't get the help that they need. So many women who are traumatized by other experiences that are on the spectrum that may, may not necessarily be as um, as life-threatening as your situation was but still feel traumatized right. by their birth. And this is a really, really important topic to be addressing um, and to be asking about is if there are any providers listening, this is really something to, to think about. Uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes the, the medical providers, maybe this is something they see relatively often uh, and think, okay, well, baby's healthy, mom's okay, so everything's fine. But this is this is the reason that we're doing this, this episode, this podcast, is to to bring light to this thing that happens for women that is essentially behind the scenes. Nobody can see it, um, but you for three years were living
1: in this horrible, horrible state of mind that was terrifying. to you. It was, and you know, had I not educated myself, you know, I, I don't, I don't know today where I would be. Um, but I basically just started out self-helping because I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. At the time, I didn't know what an LPC was, a licensed professional counselor. I didn't know what a psychologist or psychiatrist did. And Mm -hmm. so I basically just started reading everything that I could. And um, I learned that, you know, and I did see a therapist, but I was still too afraid to tell her what was Mm -hmm. happening. So I, in a kind of a roundabout way said, well, I'm having these feelings of anxiety or I'm having these, you know, feelings. And fortunately for her, she really was able to give me some, some basic self-help techniques that did work as far as like, you know, breathing techniques, the breathing in the holding it and the exhaling. And I found Mm -hmm. that when I was very anxious, that really did help. Um, I also learned how important mommy time is, which I to this point had zero and even just talking about that with my husband and us agreeing that, you know, I would just go out for several hours at first that, you know, he would take care of the kids that he would give me a break and we, we to this day just call it mommy time. And my children are now seven and five, but I still understand the importance of mommy time and getting that alone time, getting that feeling of this is my life and I'm getting it back Mm -hmm. because for so long, Mm -hmm. part of it was this, I've lost myself completely. Um, what about mm-hmm. me? What about my dreams? What about my aspirations, right. my career, and what I was mm-hmm. going to do? And I see so many moms who are happy being at home and are happy, loving just being a stay at home. And, and at the time, that just wasn't what I wanted to do. So I, there was a great right. deal of resentment for me that this mm-hmm. was my lot in life. And, um, but getting the help and getting the realization of what it was I am now just as excited as I can be to have the opportunity to be home with my children. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, you know, being an advocate for my community and and helping to educate. I think that was the biggest thing for me. If someone had just said, look, Amy, this is so common. I need you to know what the symptoms are of postpartum depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Here's the risk factors that I think would have been huge because I had a lot of risk factors and didn't know it. And then mm-hmm. here's the treatment options, and this is how it can right. go about happening. And so mm-hmm. once I started learning about all of that, I realized that that was something that was going to be very important to me. So uh, through all of the
0: pain and, and I mean, if I can say suffering that you endured and got through and, and went through, you've really found um, a way to, to use your experience to help other moms and to help other women and to help your community, which is just amazing, and also that's very often what happens to to moms who end up doing volunteer work or advocating is that they've been through it and realize, oh my gosh, there's not enough help for these moms. And so, if you um, if you can, can you please tell us about what you've been doing in your community and um, and how that's
1: going? All right. One thing that I started realizing when I when I started getting stronger, obviously, you can't be so much of a help when you're in the deep of it and the thick of it and you can't breathe yourself. You can't help someone else. Um, But once I started healing and getting stronger and researching and um, I decided that this is something that I wanted to do. And I went back to school and got um, started taking a few courses in psychology so that I could eventually, at some point, get a master's degree and start working specifically in this field.
3: No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids, because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I am Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.
1: Right. Um, but but in the meantime, I had the thought that you know the the doctor that sees the moms the most is our pediatrician, and right. I have a great rapport with our pediatrician, and um, I went to her and I kind of told her what I was thinking and wanting to do, and I asked her if she would be open to utilizing or incorporating rather um, a postpartum assessment program in her practice. And so we Mm -hmm. sat down and we kind of talked about it. And she said, sure, let's give this a try. So I went back and I started researching what's going to be the the most efficient way to do this. Mm Because she has a very busy practice. I can't just expect her to put it on hold for this. And Mm -hmm. so in my studies, I found the EPDS, which is the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale. And it's Mm -hmm. a quick survey that can be done right in the office where it's a pretty good indicator of You know, if a mother is suffering with postpartum depression. And so when I found all these resources, um, we're still in the process of of planning it all out. Um, How is it going to work best in her practice? But the, uh, the end goal is that all moms with children a year and younger will be assessed at all well visits. That when that mom comes in, you know, there's going to be a tracking of how is mom doing? Because if mommy's Mm -hmm. not healthy, then baby and family at home aren't going to be in order. And Mm -hmm. so one of the steps also is having therapists to refer the moms to in the need that 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 need arises. Right. And so one of the things I've just done is worked with um, two of the coordinators from my state, um, from Postpartum Support International. And I organized... A workshop where we had therapists come in and get training specifically in post um, in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders.
3: Fantastic! And it was
1: really exciting for my first one. Um, eighteen Yay. therapists signed up and got the training, and I'm, so I'm really excited about that.
0: Oh my gosh, that's that's eighteen therapists, and who knows how many clients they'll be seeing? But that's so many more lives being supported. In, in such a, a more sensitive way.
1: And it was kind of neat um, just sitting there in the training, um, in the workshop and listening to the questions that these people were asking. And, um, you know, it's, you don't realize how common this is. You don't realize all the facets that um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders really encompass right. and how common it is, but, you know, at the same time, how treatable it is.
0: Yes. And the way that you're able to get into your community and help other people is so powerful. I I almost can't even think of a a better word. There's so much good in what you're doing and because, you know, you know how important
3: this is. I
1: just wish someone had been there for me and just said, you know, just educated me. And I think it would never have gotten as bad as it did had I known that it was possible, I was just so blindsided by it. There was no education. There was no awareness at all. And so that's really my number one goal is to bring this out into the light and kind of normalize my situation because there is absolutely nothing special about me. I'm very average. And if this happened to me, it's happening so much more. It's just not being talked about. Um, Or a mom may not even know what to say because she doesn't know what's happening.
0: Right. Yes, and, and that's why sharing your story is so important because the moms who are listening may be able to hear their experience in your experience and know they're not crazy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you probably hear that all the time once moms tell you their story. Is I felt yes, crazy, and isolated, I, and alone,
1: and afraid. And
0: yes, yes, and and there's help, and this is definitely you mentioned a couple of times, and I think it's so important to emphasize that this is treatable and it doesn't have to get this bad. Uh, it doesn't have to
1: get to this point. Um, and there's one other thing I did want to add. Um, and this for me was absolutely the hardest part of the whole, um, journey. If I can put it that way is that, um, the realization hit me that I actually needed medication and I was very adamant against it. I wanted nothing to do with it. I just thought Mm -hmm. that's not me. I can do this without it. Um, But there came a point when I realized that, you know, no matter how hard I prayed or um, how well I ate, how much I exercised, how much mommy time I had, that something was just still not right. And um, Mm. one day I was in the kitchen and my small son came in and he ran inside and he had this panicked look on his face. And he looked at me and he said, mommy, mommy, I was outside and I ate this cookie, but I didn't wash my hands. He said, Mommy, am I going to die? And I remember standing there looking at him, and my heart just broke. And I looked, and I got down right at his face, and I said, No, baby. No, you're not going to die. It's okay that you didn't wash your hands. But the realization smacked me in the face that what I was struggling with, I was then pushing down, and my children were absorbing that. And here is my sweet, precious little son, really terrified that he was going to get some germ and it was going to kill him because he didn't wash his hands. And so um, I reluctantly started the realization that I needed medication. Mm -hmm. And um, I came across Brooks Shields book, Down Came the Rain. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of an eye opening thing for me that maybe it was okay to take medication. Maybe that didn't mean Mm -hmm. I was a failure as a mother. And Mm -hmm. um, it was the hardest decision I have ever made, because it just was very difficult for me to come to grips with that. But it was the best decision I've ever made. And it changed my life. It changed everything. And it was just that last little push that I needed with everything else. Um, Because for me, medication alone wouldn't be the answer. But doing mm-hmm. everything else, the, self, the self-help, um, CBT was um, cognitive behavioral therapy was really effective for me, um, mm-hmm. understanding your feelings and your thoughts and your actions and how all that works. Um, right. But it just alone wasn't enough. And um, the medication really was really what I needed. So I would like to encourage any mom that might have, you know, thoughts that that's not an option or, you know, you might be right. scared to take it. That it's mm-hmm. not lifelong. It isn't something that you have to take forever. And it's there are safe ones, you know, that moms working with your doctors, obviously, can take mm-hmm. even if they're breastfeeding. And some moms may even need that medication while they're pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. But it is something that can be worked with closely with a doctor. And it doesn't mean you're a failure or that you can't do it. It just means that my body just needed that extra boost to help get you know, my chemicals and everything in balance.
0: Right. I really, really appreciate you sharing that piece of your journey. Um, uh, You know, in my work, I hear this weekly, you know, moms who are terrified of taking the medication and somehow think that, well, there's something wrong with them if they need medication, but, you know, at the same time, wouldn't, wouldn't hesitate if they needed to take insulin if their kidneys weren't, weren't functioning properly. Um, This is, this your brain is part of your body. This is a whole system that works together, and sometimes, absolutely, we need that uh, support to help get things in balance again. Um, and addressing the stigma of medication is so important. And I'm really, really glad to hear uh, about your experience in in that you you struggled um, and then came to the realization. And everyone's path is right. different, and we can. Honor everyone's uh, path in that mm-hmm. sense. Um, maybe maybe medication is necessary. Maybe it's right. not. But for you to to be supportive and telling our listeners that that it's okay and sometimes is necessary, yes. um, and
1: it doesn't mean you're a bad person. Right. I mean, because nothing else changed. I mean, I went about doing everything the same, but you know, my husband started noticing, and I started noticing, in the and just the anxiety and the the constantness of it, if I can say that without really knowing how to explain it, it just, it, it, because my main concern was I didn't want to walk around and feel drugged. I didn't want to feel like I was in a fog and it was literally like, um, and someone used this analogy and it's perfect. If you wear glasses and the first time you put them on, everything became so clear and crisp. And when you take them, when you're not used to them, you don't realize how, Dull, everything is, but there's oh just this sharpness that came about everything. And it was just like, wow, this is, I, I really regretted not doing it sooner.
0: I think that's, that's a good, another good point is uh, a lot of people do hesitate when it, when, you know, maybe their symptoms are in the severe range and their quality of life is being compromised, uh, you know, to, to try medication. And to your point, it's not necessarily certainly a, a lifelong thing um for some people it you know depending on what's going on for them and their history it could right. be but not necessarily that's it, really important to address that this is a time time limited but sometimes very necessary yes. at least for me it was
1: right absolutely
0: amy this is i'm so grateful and i hope that our listeners understand what what it means for you to have shared your story um, within maternal mental health, within mental health in general, talking about what we deal with is already a difficult. And then certainly the additional layer of, of stigma and pressure to be this perfect mom and to have everything just, just so mm-hmm. and, and feeling great and wonderful and all these myths that we subscribe to. The reality is often quite different and it is powerful for you to be sharing your story so that A mom out there somewhere can know that she's not alone. And I thank you so much for taking the time and
1: being open with us today. Well, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity.
0: By joining us today and listening, you're a part of the growing community of people who are aware and concerned for mothers and families during this beautiful and sometimes very difficult time of life. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this free podcast so that Mom and Mine can be found by moms, families, and providers who will benefit from hearing our talks. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com, where you will also find links and information from today's episode. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Mom and Mind community.
3: Well, hey there, Busy Mama.